Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Na'hamaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'd. We are exploring Euthyphro by Socrates, and we'll jump right into it. This is one of the Platonic Dialogues. All right, fire away. What's Sorry. new, Socrates, yeah. to make you leave your usual haunts in the Lyceum and spend your time here by the King Archon's court? Surely you are not prosecuting anyone before the King Archon as I am. Keep going. The Athenians do not call this a prosecution, but an indictment, Euthyphro. Okay, so you know what the backstory is here, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, so for anyone who might be listening, so Socrates has been accused of corrupting the youth, accused of all kinds of blasphemies, and so this is what he's leaving the court for. And then Euthyphro is is walking in uh, with um, with his own issues. All right, go ahead. What is this you say? Someone must have indicted you, for you are not going to tell me that you have indicted someone else. No, indeed. But someone else has indicted you? Quite so. Who is he? I do not really know him myself, Euthyphro. He is apparently young and unknown. They call him Miletus, I believe. He belongs to the Pythian deem. If you know anyone from that deem called Miletus, with long hair, not much of a beard, and a rather aquiline nose. Okay, so uh, what's in Socrates's point about him and his description of this person? What are some of the things that seem to be emphasized? What uh, what would we notice? Um, the long hair, mm-hmm. um, lacking a beard, and the shape of his nose. Okay, so so we have these physical descriptions, and what do you gather from that? Uh, someone who is not manly or mm-hmm. someone who lacks uh, certain honor or integrity. Yeah, and so so he's somebody young. Nobody knows who he is. They call him Miletus. He has this long hair, not much of a beard, and has this, this aquiline nose. And so one thing that might be um, then inferred from, from the behavior is that, all right, this is someone who is not very manly and is perhaps trying to even make a name for himself by using Socrates as his uh, stepping stone. I, I don't know him, Socrates. What charge does he bring against you? What charge? A not ignoble one, I think, for it is no small thing for a young man to have knowledge of such an important subject. He says he knows how our young men are corrupted and who corrupts them. He is likely to be wise, and when he sees my ignorance corrupting his contemporaries, he proceeds to accuse me to the city as to their mother. Okay, so, so what's the charge? Um, he's corrupting the youth. Yeah, corrupting the youth. And he himself is one of the youth. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you're when you're young, uh, so how old are you, give or take now? Oh. But no, how old are you? you know? Oh, how old am I? 21. About 21. Okay, so think back to when you were like 15. Yeah. Okay. When you were 15, you know, you knew a little bit of the world. When you're 21, you know more of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're 15 and you feel that somebody old is corrupting your peers, what are possible things that 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 person is doing in your 15-year-old lens, what would you say? Like what kind of actions is he taking? Yeah. Um, Trying to influence them by getting them to partake in certain activities Uh or uh, turn them away, like influencing them to hate a certain people Uh or to uh, discriminate. Or just point them in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, when you're comparing yourself to you at age 21 versus you at age 15, and this is being of you in the general, not used necessarily specifically, uh, what's the difference in your understanding of right and wrong? You know, someone who's in their early 20s versus someone who's a teenager. What do you think? 
as a teenager, it's a lot more egocentric. Yeah. You tend to think everything revolves around you a lot more uh-huh. than when you grow up and realize that it's definitely not the case. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to get in your mind that you are very unique uh-huh. compared to others, that you have some form of control over the things around you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, things like that. So, so what might be taking place here is that Miletus, you know, Socrates, by whatever he's saying, uh, Miletus's ego might feel threatened. So on the one hand, it could be that Miletus is using Socrates as a way to elevate his own self. But on the other hand, Miletus is just so thoroughly offended that Socrates is putting cracks in his ideal worldview. Like what you notice is that as people get older and older, uh, they generally tend to become more flexible in the sense that they appreciate as they get older and older how much more complex things are. So when I look at the world when I'm 10, from when I was 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to now, in my mid 40s, um, I'd say each half decade, each decade, I've appreciated much, much more how complex the world is, right? And one of the things that we'll also explore very shortly is, you know, how old is Euthyphro in terms of the case that, that he is he's pursuing. And then this other point that's interesting, uh, he proceeds to accuse me to the city as to their mother. How do you interpret that, that part? This relationship between the city and the mother. Um, as if the mother is the caregiver to, the, to yeah. these youth. Yeah. Um, and so he runs to them essentially tattletaling or mm-hmm. trying to get them to um, enact a revenge. Or yeah. That's, a, that's exactly it, right? His, so so tattletaling is a good, uh, a good potential word here. And this theme is going to come up again, you know, when and shall we get to, um, to the apology and, and the accusations get laid out more in more detail to, uh, against, uh, against Socrates. Now think about this from another perspective. What is the word we use for like the collective Muslim community? Ummah. Ummah, which comes from the same word, umm, mm. right? And so one way is that if we look at this through the Greek lens or our reading of the Greek lens, it's like he's tattletaling. Uh, another way to think about our connection to the ummah is not unlike our connection to the mother in the sense that we can't break off from, from our mother, right? That our mother is, is uh, the source that, that makes us. And in that way, the Ummah also has a very similar or a parallel role for us. Okay, let's continue. I think he is the only one of our public men to start out the right way. For it is right to care first that the young should be as good as possible, just as a good farmer is likely to take care of the young plants first and the others later. Okay. What do you think about that? Who, if if we had to make a choice, and obviously it's never going to be this simple. If you had to make a choice between taking care, like you know, um, what would be better? If you had to make a choice between taking care of the elders versus the young, what would be the benefit of taking care of the elders over the young? Um, paying respects. Um, they they will react more poorly towards mismanagement mm-hmm. or um, like neglect okay. so they would require more upkeep okay. whereas a child particularly if they are slightly neglected they are going to continue to grow okay. rather than the elderly who are at the end stage of their lives yeah. where they will not survive that yeah, yeah. this becomes also symbolic of the difference between what we call a modern outlook and a tradition outlook 
So the traditional outlook is saying basically that the best of generations was in the past, and the further we get away from that, uh, things get worse and worse. And in the traditional outlook, there tends to be more reverence for the elderly. And part of it is because they have the wisdom of life and they're also more connected to the past. And that outlook often, it tends to be a little bit slower in terms of how life works. The modern outlook is the inverse. The modern outlook is saying that the best of generations is somewhere in the future. And the closer we get to the future, things get better and better. And in that outlook, the youth tend to get revered. And, and, and the, uh, the closer you are to youth, the better. So in terms of our contemporary society, which would you say we're more of? We're modern. Yeah, more, overwhelmingly we're modern, right? If there's an ideal uh, Muslim outlook, which one do you think it is? Traditional. Why? Because if you go way back, you'll, mm -hmm. like, farther back, like, there's less divisiveness okay. at the very, very beginning. Okay. With Muhammad and the Rashidun and yeah. them, it's more... They were the closest to the original message yeah. in its most pure form. Yeah. While the words of the Quran are the same yeah. now as they were before, yeah. um, the way it's interpreted is way different. Yeah. yeah. And so, so even the Prophet, peace on himself, says, you know, his generation is the best of generations. And the one that comes next is the next best. And the one that comes next is the next best. And then I'm paraphrasing. And then from then, it's downhill. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, it would be fair to say, generally speaking... Uh, in the Islamic outlook, um, the, 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 uh, it's more of a traditional outlook, mm -hmm. right? But what am I, the point that I'm mentioning here is that uh, a lot of what we're going to be discussing here relates to how do we perceive the world, how do we perceive life, how life should work, how does life, how life does work. Okay, let's continue. So too, Miletus first gets rid of us who corrupt the young shoots, as he says, and then afterwards he will obviously take care of the older ones and become a source of great blessings for the city, as seems likely to happen to one who started out this way. Okay, so I wonder if he's being like uh, kind of satirical here when he's saying this. He's going to get rid of the, those who corrupt the young, and he's obviously going to take care of all the older ones and such. Um, that's what I wonder about. Now, um, human nature. Uh, what do you think? Innately good? Innately bad? Blank, what do you think? Blank. Okay, why? Well, I think blank, sort of like towards the middle, leaning good. Okay, why? I'd say it's more towards blank because humans have the outright propensity to do terribly horrible things. Definitely. Depending on their upbringing. Okay. That is the most important stage of a human's life. Okay. Um, so, while humans can do exceptional good uh -huh. um, and become you know, essentially a saint, the, they can be very easily corrupted into, say, valuing material. Okay. And once you put material objects on such a high pedestal, you disregard the life around you, the uh -huh. people around you, the animals, uh -huh. um, the environment especially, and we see that today. Yeah. So I think it's definitely more towards the middle and on neither side. Okay. Okay. Because humans, while they can receive influence from both sides, they're told to do right, but they are influenced to revere things that are, that would lead them to do wrong. Mm -hmm. They have the choice, and 
the fact that they have a choice makes them towards the middle, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's see as we go through the text, you know, what outlook seems to be present here in terms of uh, human nature being good or, or, or bad or blank. Okay, let's continue. I could wish this were true, Socrates, but I fear the opposite may happen. It seem, he seems to me to start out by harming the very heart of the city by attempting to wrong you. Tell me, what does he say you do to corrupt the young? Okay, so it seems like Euthyphro has respect for, for Socrates, yeah. right? You know, that, um, let me know if you have to run. I actually do, okay. unfortunately. Then I tell you what, we'll stop right here. Okay. And we'll stop uh, at the top of page three, and then we'll continue from there. Okay. All right, so,